0: on Local Now, Channel 525. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries.
1: See, if you don't protect yourself, With the helmet of salvation Then Satan will have succeeded In leading you down a road Of self-centered morbid introspection You look within yourself You turn inward Rather than outward in serving others He will rob you of joy He will rob you of peace You'll worry You'll be fearful You'll have spiritual anxiety and insecurity Because you don't know you're saved You're too distracted by your own insecurity To pour your life into serving others it is a horrible horrible existence.
0: Of all the faiths in the world I know of only one that offers assurance of eternal life that is authentic Christianity. As a result all others control people largely by fear but the genuine Christian is constrained to obedience out of love and gratitude and that makes all the difference in the world. Welcome to Verse by Verse Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff is leading us in a series of lessons concerning spiritual warfare. Pastor Steve has been serving since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We have a lot of ground to cover today, so let's get ready for class. We will be learning about the helmet of salvation as we continue to consider the armor of God described in Ephesians chapter 6. Here is Pastor Steve to tell us just what it is that the helmet of salvation provides for the Christ follower.
1: During the 1968 Olympic Games in Mexico City, one of the most moving moments in Olympic history happened at the close of the marathon race. Long after the winners of the marathon had finished the race and received their medals, a runner by the name of John Stephen Akwari from Tanzania entered the stadium. He was the final runner from a large field of marathoners, and as soon as the few hundred people remaining in the stadium, because just about everybody else had left, as soon as those few people remaining in the stadium began to realize that he was finishing long after the other marathoners, they started to applaud him. At first it was a quiet applause, but then it grew into a loud ovation as Aquari, with bandaged and bloody feet, took his final lap around the track. Uh, later, when newspaper reporters asked him why he continued, knowing that he, he uh, certainly had lost, knowing that he was all alone running this race and that he would finish last, he replied this. He said, gentlemen, I don't think you understand. My country did not send me to Mexico City to start the race. They sent me to finish the race. And that's exactly what John Stephen Aquari did. Now this morning, our study of Ephesians chapter six and spiritual warfare is related to this very attitude that Aquari, this runner, demonstrated, persevering in the midst of attacks, persevering when we are battle weary, when we feel like giving up, when we feel like we're in last place and yet we press on in the Christian life. You see, one major strategy that Satan uses against Christians with, I might add, a great deal of success is discouragement and, and doubt, especially as it relates to our salvation. And he does this in any number of ways. Sometimes it's through our own sins, and our own failures, as he tempts us to doubt that, that we're even saved. And he whispers to our souls, how can you say with any assurance that you've become a new creature in Christ when you keep sinning? like a pagan? How dare you think that you know me or you know Christ? And sometimes it's discouragement over our lack of progress in our Christian walk. Why do I see such little growth in my life? If I, if I really know the Lord, why do I keep stumbling over the same sins over and over again? What does that say about the reality of my profession of faith? And sometimes we just find ourselves disheartened because we are just plain battle weary, tired from being persecuted for our faith in whatever form that persecution takes, tired from, from always having to defend the truth, weary from conflicts with, with not only unbelievers, but some of the worst conflicts are with believers, and just exhausted from the ongoing struggle of, of trying to maintain a good attitude as we work our way through life. So how do we defend ourselves from these attacks of doubt and discouragement? Well, the answer is found in the fifth piece of armor that God has provided for us, and that's called the helmet of salvation. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter six. We've been studying these verses because we are dealing not only with the issue of spiritual warfare, but we wanted to do a series that dealt with protection in our warfare the armor of God that protects us from the attacks of the enemy, uh, Satan, the devil, because having done all, Paul says, stand firm, and you need this protective gear on in order to stand firm. So after telling us to first put on the belt of truth, which protects us from Satan's lies, and then the breastplate of righteousness, which protects our hearts from evil affections, and then the shoes of peace, which, which provides stability for us, protects us from being unstable, and the shield of faith, which we studied last week, which protects us from fiery temptations, Paul now tells us in Ephesians 6:17. He tells us, "And take the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation, which protects us in some way." And we're going to study this this morning. Protects us in light of our salvation. Now, once again, I think a, a helpful thing to do in studying this issue is to ask important questions that will, will force us to delve into the word to come up with the answers. So let's just jump into this and ask the first question that helps us understand the meaning of the helmet of salvation is this, how did Roman soldiers, how did their helmets protect them from their enemies? Because remember, there's a background to this. There's a cultural background, and it's the Roman soldier. As Paul is taking the analogy of a Roman soldier and his battle gear and then illustrating it with spiritual uh, illustrations about what protects us. So these are, these are really word pictures for us. Well, first of all, understand that no soldier, Roman soldier, would ever think of going into battle without his helmet on. It was a necessity for warfare because he needed protection for his head from not the little daggers that was sometimes used, but these large, broad swords commonly used in combat. You see, an enemy soldier would either use a small dagger-like sword or he could use a large broadsword. Now his breastplate covered him from the dagger-like sword, but he needed a strong, powerful helmet to protect him from the large broadswords, which were rather large. They were about three to four uh, feet. They were double-edged, and they had a handle long enough for a man to, to grip it with both hands. So they were rather huge. Huge. These large swords were carried usually by the cavalrymen, who would grip them with both hands, raise them high above their head and bring them down crashing on their opponent's heads with the intent of splitting their adversaries' skulls. That's why the helmet was so essential. You needed it. You needed that protection from the blows of of the enemy's sword. And so this helmet had to be made of tough material and it was. It was a tough metal, either bronze or iron. It consisted of a band to protect the forehead, as well as plates for the facial cheeks, and it even ran down a little bit of the back in order to protect the neck. Now this helmet was rather heavy because of that, and so they would put a, uh, a sponge-like lining to make uh, inside to make the, the weight bearable. The helmet, we're told, was so strong that only an axe or a hammer could penetrate it. So that gives you a little bit of a feel for that. It's not hard to understand that the sole purpose of a Roman soldier's helmet was to protect his head from being crushed by a broadsword. Remember, they didn't have other weapons. They didn't have shrapnel and stuff like that. But this is the background. It was a broadsword that would come crashing down. Now, Satan has a large double-edged broadsword that he uses against us. He tries to crush us with. What is it? Well, we know that it has something to do with salvation. Because the protection that we're given concerns our salvation. It is the helmet of salvation. But Paul does not specifically define for us explicitly here what he's referring to. Uh, So it's for us to use our reason and to come up with this. How does Satan attack our salvation? I think it's so obvious once we say it, you go, Of course, Paul didn't need to expand on this. But how does he how does Satan attack our salvation? May I suggest to you that what Paul's referring to are the blows that come from Satan that come crashing down on our heads are primarily doubts about our salvation, doubts and discouragement, thinking we are either not saved or we have lost our salvation or we are saved, but the final aspect of our salvation is so far away that we don't even think about it. We're, We're discouraged in the midst of it. I don't think it could be anything else. That's what Satan uses. Satan wants to cause us to doubt the assurance of our salvation. He certainly doesn't attack, for at least for believers, the, the gospel in terms of, of the grace of God, because we know that salvation is by grace through faith. Otherwise, you're not a believer. But he does attack the issue of whether or not you are a Christian. And many Christians have been terribly defeated over the years by these satanic doubts of their salvation. As, as I said, as well as discouragement because they've lost their perspective on their ultimate salvation. They're, they're just battle weary. So God has provided folks a helmet to protect us from these hellish assaults. Now, specifically, the question is this, how does he do this? How does he protect us from these doubts and discouragements? And that's why we want to focus on this second question. What is specifically the helmet of salvation and how does it protect us from Satan? I think you'll find this fascinating. I think you'll find it to be very helpful. Well, just as a Roman soldier was protected by a strong helmet, the Bible teaches us that God has provided a strong helmet for us. And that helmet, is not made of metal, That helmet is, the spiritual helmet is the truth about our salvation, the various truths of our salvation. Specifically, though, as Paul is relating this, what truth about our salvation is the apostle referring to? Because there are many truths about our salvation. What is he talking about? Well, that depends upon what aspect of salvation that Paul is referring to. Let me explain. When you and I hear the term saved or salvation, or you ask somebody, are they saved or they ask you? We normally think, have you come to know the Lord? Did you, did you accept Jesus Christ? Have you accepted him? That's what we tend to think. That's the common uh, thing that goes through our minds. But in Bible terminology, the word salvation means a lot more than just were you saved. And let me illustrate it this way. Many years ago in England, there was a godly Christian scholar who while walking along the street one day came upon a group of Salvation Army workers who were conducting an open air meeting. And so he stopped. And as he stopped and listened to the meeting, one of the female workers stepped up to him and asked if he was saved. She said, sir, are you saved? The scholar looked at her and said, do you mean have I been saved, am I being saved, or shall I be saved? Now, actually, he first said it in Greek, and then, with that puzzled look, he said it in English, which he probably still had a puzzled look. And this confused, poor young woman just, you know, was genuinely concerned about the man's soul, and uh, he asked this question, but it's a valid question, and I don't think he was being a wise guy. It is a valid question to consider, because... Listen, true salvation exists in all three of these tenses. You see, there are actually three time aspects to our salvation. Now, this is important. And I think it it will help us to understand what Paul is dealing with when he talks of the helmet of salvation. At some point in the past, if you're a Christian, you were saved. That's your initial conversion. There was a point that you passed from death to life. So at some point in the past, you were saved from the penalty of sin. You will never be condemned for your sin. You were saved from the penalty of sin. But today, your salvation continues. Right now in the present, God is saving you. You are being saved from the power of sin dominating you. You and I struggle with sin, but it does not dominate us. That's the message of Romans chapter six. We are not under the tyranny of sin. It may feel like that, But it's not. You can say no to sin. You can obey God. Whereas before you were a believer, you were not free. You were not free to to say no to sin. You were in bondage to your sin nature. But right now, in the present, you are being saved from the power of sin dominating you. You have been saved from the penalty of sin. You are being saved from the power of sin. And in the future, you will be saved from the very presence of sin. You see, the true biblical doctrine of salvation encompasses all three of these aspects. So a valid question to ask at this point is, what is Paul referring to? What does Paul mean by the helmet of salvation? What aspect of salvation does this helmet protect us from? Is it past, present, or future? Well, it seems to me that since Paul doesn't indicate any one specific aspect, that it is reasonable to conclude that he's referring to all of these aspects, all three aspects. Otherwise, he would have said something that would define which aspect he's talking about. He does that, by the way, in 1 Thessalonians 5. He speaks about the helmet as the hope of salvation. That's the future aspect. But here he doesn't say that. And you know what, that makes perfect sense because Satan attacks believers in all three aspects of the salvation, not just one or two, but all three aspects you need protection for. Christians really, as I said before, we don't struggle over whether the, the gospel deals with the grace of God. We know that, but we do struggle with doubts of salvation. We do struggle. Satan has caused countless Christians to doubt whether they have ever been saved. There are some believers, genuine believers, truly born again, but they have no assurance of their salvation. There are others who think that they have to be saved every week. And there are churches who, who take place even today in our own area where, where people will, will walk an aisle at the end of the service thinking that they, they have to pray it through to be saved. And you know what? They did it last week and they did it the week before. And they're gonna do it next week because they keep thinking that they've lost their salvation. Or if they haven't lost it, they're on such shaky ground, they are afraid that they might lose it. So they want to get prayed up or something to that effect. And in addition, as I said, the devil has brought great discouragement to many more believers who, though they never doubted their salvation, they have lost sight of the fact that their salvation in the final aspect is closer than when they ever believed. In other words, the finish line is closer. There is a finish line. It's not going to always be like this. And so this morning, And actually, next Sunday, I want us to consider this aspect of the helmet of salvation by seeing how a biblical understanding of this threefold aspect of salvation, past, present, and future, protects us from Satan's doubts and his attacks. This morning, we want to deal with the past as well as the present salvation and Satan's attacks. And then next week, Lord willing, we'll deal with the future aspect of salvation. So let's dig in. Let's look at the past aspect of salvation and God's helmet of protection. Now, one of the most devastating, and trust me on this if you've never experienced this, one of the most devastating things to deal with as a Christian is to doubt your salvation. To doubt it. And I can say this because I know it personally. Because the first few years after my conversion, I did lack assurance. I lacked assurance that I was a true Christian. And I will never forget the first time these doubts hit me. The fear the despair that overwhelmed me as i literally envisioned myself plunging into hell with no hope in fact even in preparing this message it was somewhat painful because i had to think through some of these things and and uh, rehearse in my mind about it those were painful days and looking back now i realized that those thoughts certainly were satanic and i should have put on the helmet of salvation, but i didn 't instead, I try to reason my way through this struggle, and whenever you you take on the devil and try to reason, you always lose because he 's far brighter than we are, and he will even use scripture twisting it, but he will even use scripture to confuse you and that 's what happened to me. The more I try to think through these issues, the more entangled I became. I remember having thoughts like this well. Maybe back when I, when I thought I was first saved, when I called on the Lord, I didn't know enough about Christ to be saved. I didn't know enough about the atonement. So maybe I really wasn't saved back then. And what have I been living now? Then when did I get saved? And that led to thoughts like, well, since I can't pinpoint the precise moment of my salvation, then how do I know I'm saved? How do I know that? Or I had thoughts like this, did I really repent of my sins since repentance is necessary for salvation? How much do I have to repent of? How much sin was I even aware of back then? Things like that. And I had this wicked thought. I thought, well, have I really trusted Christ to save me? Because if I did trust him, then why would I be having these doubts? After all, isn't doubt a lack of of trust? So I must not be a believer. You see how insidious that can be, how sinister, how wicked those doubts are. As I said, Satan is so in his, in his brilliance, demented that he will even use the Bible and twist it in order to confuse us. And that certainly, that was my experience. See, if you don't protect yourself with the helmet of salvation, then Satan will have succeeded in leading you down a road of self-centered, morbid introspection. That's what happens. You look within yourself. You turn inward rather than outward in, in serving others. He will rob you of joy. He will rob you of peace. You'll worry. You'll be fearful. You'll have spiritual anxiety and insecurity because you don't know you're saved. You can't have calmness of heart and you can't rejoice when you don't know you're a believer. You're too distracted by your own insecurity to pour your life into serving others. It is a horrible, horrible existence. Now, some of you may lack salvation's assurance. This may hit home. This may be an area that you've been struggling with for a long time. And perhaps the devil's method of attacking you is by suggesting, well, you were such a young child. What did you know back then? How do you know that you were really saved? Maybe you just pray to receive Christ because your friends did it or your folks put pressure on it on you. You didn't really understand the gospel or maybe his method of attacking you is to bring doubt upon your salvation because you lack consistency in, in your life or maybe it's because you lack a feeling of spirituality. You're waiting for some kind of emotional buzz and you don't have that. So you think that you're not saved. You think that all believers have this incredible feeling and you don't have it. So what protection does God offer true believers who are tempted to doubt their salvation? Well, he gives us a helmet that protects our minds from doubts by telling us, and here's the helmet. He tells us the truth about biblical assurance. There are a lot of flaky things out there about assurance. He tells us the truth. In other words, he gives us assurance that we're saved based on what the Bible says teaches. See, one of the great truths of, the, of scripture is that you can know that you're saved. It's not a guessing game. You don't have to wait till you die to know if you made it. You can know that. And this is so important. Oftentimes we witness to people and we evangelize and we say, do you know for certain? And they'll say, well, I don't think anybody can know. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. Let's look at that. First John chapter 5. You might want to mark first John off because later we're going to come back to it. But first John chapter 5, a very important verse in scripture is verse 13. John, writing to believers, I might add, says this, "These things I have written to you." Now, he's written a whole book around what he's about to tell us. The whole book is centered around this truth. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the son of God, who's so writing to Christians, so that, here's the purpose of First John, that you may know that you have eternal life. That's what John said. You may know it. You may know it now that you have eternal life. I, I don't know how much clearer the Bible could make it. In fact, it's not only in First John, many Christians know that, but they're not aware of Second Peter chapter 1, In verse 10, where Peter tells us, therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. You can make certain that you're one of his elect. And we're going to look at that this morning, but I just want you to know that Scripture teaches that. You can know that you're saved.
0: On that wonderful truth, we need to wrap things up for today. You have been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. We at Verse by Verse Ministries have the joy of adapting his teaching messages to radio. We are a faith ministry sustained by the prayers and gifts of listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. If you would like to listen again to today's broadcast, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can also find previous lessons on the archives page. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. Today's class was the start of a three part message. If you would like to hear it all at once, you can order a cassette tape or an audio CD. Just call us at 727 441 1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727 441 1714. When I was a little boy, I asked my mother how to get to heaven. She said that if I did more good stuff than bad, I would get to heaven. Wrong answer. From that day till I accepted Christ as my Savior, I lived in fear that I would not measure up. Join us for the next Verse by Verse to hear Pastor Steve explain from God's Word how you can know for sure if you have eternal life.